0: Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development across our state. I'm your host, Jeff Brent, and this podcast is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. When local economic developers work with their corporate partners on new sites or expansions, the most successful projects worked months, even years to develop a pre-capital plan, making the business case before the first bucket of dirt was moved. With us today is Courtney Dunbar, who is a director of site selection at Burns & McDonnell in their Omaha, Nebraska office. She previously worked for the engineering firm Olson as their industrial program leader and economic development leader. Among her varied experience, she also spent several years working for the Nebraska Department of Economic Development as their Eastern Field representative, where she was responsible for assisting existing businesses in a 24 county region. Courtney Dunbar, welcome to Mississippi Prospects.
1: Well, thank you. It's nice to be here today.
0: Yes. So, I read a recent article from Area Development Magazine where you address how. When an industrial manufacturer needs to find a new plant site, this is a good barometer that the business and markets are growing and a good indicator also of healthy financials. But you also point out in the article that this is when many businesses get tripped up. Let's look at the businesses first and see what's tripping them up.
1: Well, I think a lot of the time they understand that they have some sort of a pull. I mean, there is a need to produce more product. They may be in a pinch spot with an existing uh, industrial location. Uh, They may have expanded beyond their ability to be able to meet those needs. But at the end of the day, they have to really think about not only the process and how that process works for them in the existing facility, but then what are the critical factors that are impacting whether or not they're capable of being able to grow into the future? And so the ability for an industry to step back and really take a really defined look at exactly how the process is designed Whether or not that's able to continue to move into a growth uh, scenario for them is important. And so uh, I think it's important that the economic development community really understands how engineering um, and the folks that are helping to assist a company in understanding how to expand internally impacts the site selection process.
0: And obviously, the role of local economic developers, community officials, uh, you know, has tried to create a healthy business climate and help the their existing companies or attract new ones. So what can they do to be in the best position to assist m- and meet these corporate needs?
1: I think sometimes the most important thing to understand is really how the people that are aiding the company and understanding really what their critical factors are for growth or, to be honest with you, what may be keeping them from growing uh, are thought through. Um, on the process design side so most industries are thinking about things such as logistics workforce workforce availability um, raw product availability their positioning within a cluster so if they have certain up or downline demand and supply uh, factors that are impacting their ability uh, to be able to either receive goods or to be able to get those goods sold to their consumers and effectively transported to those consumers um, those can all be massive costs either advantages or disadvantages to the company, depending upon where they are located. So when we are considering where they should expand and grow, if there is a pinch point, we are taking into account all of these factors. And it isn't just simply based upon things like incentives that are often talked about in our industry um, as being a massive driver. We need to think deeper. The industries are thinking deeper. And so um, understanding exactly how they go through that critical process is important so that when you know, communities are asked to answer questions, they're capable of doing so.
0: So the pre-capital planning process that uh, you were talking about in your article, you know, what are the goals that the company is trying to achieve?
1: Right. So the company is really trying to identify, again, we talked about critical factors, but every single company is a little bit different in that identification. And so it's really trying to define down what is impacting the bottom line of the company, Um, Some companies are really uh, dependent upon, again, let's take the logistics and the workforce criterion um, as as examples. Many companies are very logistics dependent, and so they may have a certain type of raw product that is absolutely necessary for the production of their good. Um, As of recent, I worked on, (laughs) this is a little bit of an off project, but it was kitty litter manufacturing. Um, so, limestone ends up being uh, a massive component or an input into that particular product. So, a lot of the decision factor had to do with the raw product availability of limestone of a certain grade and quality. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll look at uh, local communities and say, you know, if you're going to proactively seek certain forms of economic development in your community, rather than waiting for the site selection community, do you understand what your natural assets within your region are? Um, So, some of those that we ended up looking at um, had masses of limestone. There are multiple industries that utilize limestone as a a major input, um, but they didn't even really realize that they had that kind of mass asset advantage. And so, um, the encouragement is really to take a look at uh, kind of taking this back to the local level. What are your natural assets and advantages? And are you exploiting those effectively when you're thinking about your targets or what it is that you're trying to pursue? largely because most businesses are going to locate based upon a business case. Um, it's less on whether or not your community is very nice. Most communities are very nice. Uh, most communities uh, believe and uh, that they are very nice themselves, right? Uh, but when it boils down to it, um, it has to do with a business case. So the better that you can kind of quantify your assets and your deficiencies, much the same as what a company is attempting to do, you can make a marriage and hopefully um, land an opportunity.
0: Is it worth the... Uh... Seeking outside assistance in that process if you're a local community, Um, because I often know, you know, I think about the town where I grew up in. I don't know that town as well as communities that I have moved to in a professional capacity that I was forced to learn at a different level. So I feel like sometimes people are too close to the product and they're blind to it almost in understanding what their assets are. So who should be helping?
1: Yeah, so there are some things that I absolutely recommend at the local level as far as being able to, I guess I'd call it quantitatively, uh, assist in being able to develop that business case. First, do you understand what is flowing through, around, and generally in the vicinity from a logistics angle of your community? So many communities have absolutely no idea what's happening as far as trucking, the counts, the amount of product. Um, what may be there as far as raw product that's in the ground or being farmed or within vicinity? Um, do they understand if there is um, rail access that, for example, may be able to provide them with some sort of good that they may not have known is flowing through their community on a daily basis? So a logistics analysis is one thing that I typically recommend at the regional level. that should be completed so that you can identify those factors. Um, secondarily, I would want some sort of a qualitative Labor analysis. So beyond what the um, typical, I call it, I, I guess, MZ model or um, I guess it's economic modeling software that a lot of economic developers will end up relying on, which is awesome. Uh, it's understanding that most of the site selection community also has access to that. And we understand how to look at things from that database perspective, but what's happening at the boots on the ground level? So, do you have employees that are willing to drive 60 miles instead of, you know, your typical 30 to 40 minute drive time or that ring? Um, are people underemployed? Do we believe that there are certain skill sets that exist because, let's say, for example, you have mostly an agrarian area where kids would have grown up, you know, machining and tooling on farms? Um, so being able to ascertain a skill level and, and do more of a boots on the ground qualitative study to look at um, not only numbers and skills, but work ethic, um, availability and drive times uh, beyond what's on a database is pretty important as well. I um, mean, I also think it's important. Uh, let's get it down to the site side. So that's my favorite part to talk about <laughs> anyway, Um you know, it, it's always kind of shocking to me. You'll often see scenarios where, let's say, a state may commission um, some sort of a targeting analysis. So the state may lead that from an aspect of where are we going to market and what kinds of industries make the most sense to our state. Policies then are set in accordance with what the state has determined makes the most sense to the state. When we look at the state of Mississippi, it's it's quite diverse, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So we have a lot of different types of industries that exist throughout the entirety of the state. Not everything that is identified at the state level fits every community. Further, inventory becomes a very important part of that entire equation. So if I'm sitting at the local level as an economic developer, I am most interested in identifying really what my key sites and or buildings are, generally what the assets are for those. So if I have, you know, high levels of electric availability, but low levels of natural gas, or maybe I can handle water, but I can't handle wastewater as far as treatment, then I need to kind of take a look at the assets and deficiencies, line them up, and then look at those targets and say, can this target fit in the site? And if I don't have sites to fit all those targets, even if the targets make sense from a workforce or other perspective, I either have to figure out how to shore my inventory or I have to abandon that target and find targets that make sense for the properties that I have. So to some extent, it's aligning, again, the business case from the site up through the target, because then pulling a full circle, if I'm completing pre-capital planning work and we've identified the most important critical factors for our client, we're trying to draw out where you may be able to serve those needs, You know, whether it's rail serve or certain types of workforce or a certain type of um, availability of, of a utility asset, you are able to answer those questions much more effectively and we're able to align that site so that we can get the deal done.
0: Can these communities be directly involved in the pre capital planning process? Uh, obviously, probably with the existing industries, but we're also talking about new recruitment. Uh, how can they communicate more efficiently? that their product is, or what they're working with, their product and their resources and their workforce.
1: Okay, so the best way for them to get involved, if, if you've got a set of engineers that are taking a look at the process design of a facility and they're trying to lean out exactly how they would do that to the most efficient way possible for a company, we are going to be asking questions, right? And a lot of the questions that we ask are not things that we can obtain on our own. So the suggestion to the economic development community is to be able to be that liaison back to the answers that we need at the local level. Um, It's surprising to me how many, you know, you'll send requests for information out um, pertaining to some of these critical factors that we've identified as, you know, we need a site. We need it to look like this. It needs to have these kinds of services uh, to which a lot of the time we're incapable of receiving full responses. Um, So being able to hedge what you understand or need in order to be able to respond is pretty important. And the main things would be, let's say, for example, we're not just going to ask for utility access. We're going to ask for the distance of that service from the site, uh, generally what the capacities are going to look like. um, If there are redundancies, what are they, you know, and and where would they generally be located? um, If there are general advantages, any major mitigation costs of permitting assumptions that we need to understand these are all things that they can have done, but a lot of the time they do not um, because it does take some outside help. A lot of the time it's engineering help or environmental services help. Um, same thing with kind of the labor side. So it's commissioning some of these studies to be done to hedge these questions. I'm gonna come in off of a, an MZ or an economic modeling you know, data poll, and I'm gonna ask questions about that labor that are beyond that database. And so being able to, in a sense, provide us either with local employers or a study that can help us to kind of shore the gap on um, exactly really what is going on at the local level helps to, again, give us a better picture. And that's how they can engage.
0: Are you just looking for the raw data on to answer these questions, or are you looking for a narrative that goes along with it?
1: We're looking for a narrative much more than the raw data. I mean, I, I can pull the raw data a lot easier. It's what's, what, what is really happening, right? I mean, um, let's pull it into the labor side for a second. I have not had a situation in the last two years where and sometimes it's been a little bit of a suggestion, but often it's been uh, asked uh, where the folks that are involved at the C-suite level um, on making a decision on a greenfield build haven't wanted to come into the community and meet with a couple of additional uh, industry leaders that are, let's say it's manufacturing, they want to see the plant manager and then they don't just want to talk to them. They actually want to visit. So very often we'll end up striking NDAs um, and taking teams into industry um, at the local level. And why do they want to do it? Well, they're looking for the qualitative stuff. They want to watch that labor. They want to figure out if there is a truancy issue or if there's a work ethic issue. Um, Exactly how do things flow as far as their people um, are considered? And I think that that's an important part because, you know, industry, regardless of how technical we get, there still is a demand for really solid, dependable, and reliable human workforce, um, and it's it's often too hard to find, uh, to be honest. So
0: it seems like it's getting harder. I mean, the the, the workforce issue right now, everybody needs them.
1: Uh. Oh yes, and, and and you know, if it helps Mississippi to feel any better, I don't know anywhere in the country that has a whole excess of skilled workforce, but it's it's figuring out how to work through. Um, what you do when you cannot obtain the bodies. And you know, this is an important thing too, maybe to pass along as far as pre-capital planning. It is very often, and and the economic developers should expect this, that a couple of uh, situations arise that they may not understand when we're dealing in site selection. Number one, we may push out to you that there's a certain labor count and skill type level that will be needed for a a facility. Let's say it's a greenfield build um, and we're bringing a new opportunity into your community as a prospect. Um, we've given you that set of labor considerations under an assumption of one type of approach to the process. So our guys have, or ladies have turned around and they've designed that process. From what we understand of where we are in that design and what we go after trying to seek the site, that is where it is. However, as time goes on and we continue to play with the site and the facility and how it fits into the site, that individual site in your community, it may be decided that we want to take portions of that and automate it. We may not want to keep that portion as manual that can shift that entire dynamic and you can see that potentially you'll see drop off of the bodies and you're going to see more um, addition to the machinery equipment or general capital investment um, at the state level so be prepared when you receive you know requests for information from us to see some jostling you know or, or some back and forth on those labor counts and I think states that um, and regions that are doing this well at this point, um, you, you know, again, incentives are not going to drive a deal. They're certainly not going to drive our deals. Um, they are a factor as it pertains to an overall cost you know, scenario for a company long term. Um, with that being said, it is important that states start taking a look at the continuum of how they offer an incentive. Many of them tie capital investment and jobs together. They're, they're a direct correlation Um, And what we're finding is that companies, in order to continue to grow, they're having to automate portions of their operations just to make sure they can sustain. There are just not enough people and bodies, right? So that would be an important, again, way to hedge a question that's going to come at you as a part of the research we do for these companies in the pre-cap process.
0: And speaking of incentives, you know, it used to be king uh, met many years ago now, and the narrative uh, has changed and will continue to evolve. But you also talked about in your article uh, focusing on the regulatory and permitting requirements. Why is that important? And where does that fit into the incentives discussion?
1: All right. So incentives are a short term scenario. Right. So we're never going to be able to look at a long term continuum with an incentive base. You do find, and, and I've found in many instances across the United States, where you have um, heavy upfront incentives, you end up paying for that in the back end. So 15 years out, it may look entirely different. Um, most of the time when we are looking at an industrial plant and we're trying to kind of ascertain the operational efficiency in one location over another, we need to assume a 30-year continuum. I don't know of any incentives that go out for 30 in most instances. All right, so... You do see a drop off and inevitably it's what happens when that drop off occurs. Um, we're much more interested in a long term operational scenario. Uh, so things such as your utility rates, again, your, your access to what we believe would be trained workforce or support long run. You know, Do you have the kind of infrastructure capacity to grow with that facility? Can we, we grow it on the site that exists? These are all much uh, more important factors, but really tax code uh, trumps incentive. Um, and making sure that we're in a fair tax situation is considerably more agreeable.
0: And those things, you can put a dollar amount to them, the regulatory side, uh, and, and if, compare it to the uh, incentives.
1: Oh, for sure. Okay, so, and I kind of forgot the second half of what your question was, which is really the permitting piece. Um, so, so time is money. All right, so if we run into circumstances, we'll take a couple of continuums here. Um, I have it's a different state, but I'll bring up kind of what I think is a uh, kind of a wise way to market here. Um, I have a, a client where they have a fairly large industrial park and they have uh, taken into account in their mind that there is no county zoning and there are no building permit, like formal building permit uh, processes required. So based upon how they are structured they are capable of literally you can buy today and as long as there are not wetlands on the property and that's been determined, you're, they're basically beholden to the Corps of Engineers only. I mean, it's like, so you can turn a shovel tomorrow. Take that and put it um, up against a state like California where you may take three years to get through an entire permitting process in order to even turn a shovel, right? So massive difference. And, and it's important to note, and I think the economic development community sometimes can get frustrated with people like me or others that'll send <laughs> requests for information. It's kind of like everything flows downhill. And the reality is, is that when you have a scenario where the company is already six months behind, they should have been expanding six months ago, then finally they decide they're going to make that capital investment. And so this pre-capital planning piece starts off and we start looking at how big does that facility need to be? Generally, how does that need to be designed? What do we need to think about as far as logistics and labor and all the factors that go in for utility? By the time we define what those needs are and we send you or the local community an RFI, we're already months behind catching up to the curve of what they need for optimal efficiency, right? So we're not giving you much time. Um, We're not given much time. And by and large, it's going to continue to push through the end of the project. So being in a state where it takes three years to permit something versus one where you can turn a shovel almost immediately is a massive, massive gain. So anything you can do to coordinate, to consolidate, to streamline a permitting process such that you can cut your time is going to exponentially increase your odds of being successful.
0: And that's what uh, one of the major advantages, Uh, you know, I've worked at the state level. I'm at the local regional level uh, that we've always promoted in Mississippi and ranked well in as the permitting process. Uh, One stop, essentially.
1: Yes. And it makes it so much, so much better.
0: What is the number one thing that the local communities or the economic developers can do to get on your radar? So when this pre-capital planning process is taking place, you can already be part of the conversation. How do they get on that radar?
1: Okay, so whether or not, uh, pre-capital planning may may happen without them, but what I've gotta understand is when I come out with the results of that for a company and we have a general, let's say four or five state region, we're gonna do some searches in, then I'm gonna start defining where is my list of, of contacts as to where I need to send it. Um, typically, I will do start my searches at the economic development level. I don't go to brokerage first. Um, that would be a well down the road. Um, Usually there are very good peer intentions at the economic development side. Um, They often have the sites that are optioned or they're controlled in a way that it's really um, set up for the purpose of capital investment and job creation at the local level. So they're not looking necessarily to take a spiff off of the land and so much as to get the um, end user in. And so um, I enjoy working with the economic development community first for that reason. And by, by and large, most of my projects are greenfield. Uh, very few of our projects come in as an existing building search, uh, which helps as well. Um, with that being said, um, the better prepared sites are the ones that are going to end up being the ones that we will keep. Um, and my ability to create my list of who I send it to depends on who I know, right? So half the time, it really isn't about driving around and looking at sites or having to sit there and and thumb through flyers. It's, do I know a certain person in a certain community that is within that particular sphere of influence and therefore I'm going to send it because I know who they are. So just getting to know them is very, very important. Um, it'll surprise you how often, and it's actually a big tedious part of, of my job, um, that I'll get on websites for economic development uh, organizations at the local level. And for whatever reason, I think it's because they don't want spam email you can like click on their name and it'll like allow you to email through like a box, like a coded or a hidden system, but it doesn't actually give you their contact info. And to me, that is so frustrating because I'm trying to create like a formal business letter. I want to send that out um, to them. So if there's one thing I can suggest, just make sure that that I've got an ability to actually contact you. Like your true contact info is contained somewhere where I can get it or get to it. Um, and that way we can have you know, dialogue. I can send it to you and hopefully you can compete.
0: You talked real quickly um, about most of your projects are greenfield. How challenging is that right now with supply chain issues, getting projects up and running? Because it seems like I've seen a pivot in the last two years of everybody starting now looking for an existing shell building or spec building, something to fit their needs and shying away from that greenfield.
1: I think to the extent that uh, many of them can find something that would be existing, they would do it, but you're still looking at, you know, less than 3% industrial vacancy. Um, and when you start looking at the fact that you can now, I mean, technology is a fabulous thing in manufacturing. You literally can design the, you know, the length of a conveyor at, you know, accuracy of three inches from what it needs to be. Right. So you can, you can design facilities so that they are so compact, so lean, that they absolutely just wrap around a process in a perfect capacity, the building ends up impacting that. And so by and large, getting existing buildings, sometimes it's not a lot of a cost savings when you start looking at the long-term operational savings of building one from scratch, number one. Number two, again, this 3% vacancy situation what remains on the market tends to be obsolete. You know, you either have a scenario where you don't have good access, your doctors are incorrectly placed, or you have, you know, a scenario where you're you're not high enough in your heights. Um, so, designing it and being able to build makes more sense long run as well for a company in that regard. Um, as far as the slowdown or the issue with materials, that has been a real issue. The sad reality, though, is that we're starting to see some of that unclog. But why? Well, probably because we're hitting some recessionary scenarios, right? So there's some back off as far as that activity. Um, and as such, I think it's going to free some of it. I don't think it's necessarily for good reasons, but but that's probably going to end up occurring. Um, most companies are putting a patch on it and doing the best they can with an expansion scenario or leaning operations uh, to the extent they can, if they cannot then they start working toward this piece. And that's where our pre-capital planning comes in, which dictates what that request for information is gonna look like from us. So again, full circle, if it's going to be specific and it's gonna be based upon all these things that we've assessed as far as the process, can the economic developer answer our questions? And those questions are largely gonna center around land, logistics, and labor. And if we have the ability to answer those questions, we're capable of being able to keep them in the game, and that's good for everybody.
0: She's here helping us be better prepared for our next industrial project. Courtney Dunbar, thanks for joining us on Mississippi Prospects. Thank you. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Entergy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Mississippi Power. MWB, the Tennessee Valley Authority, Atmos Energy, the Area Development Partnership, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, Madison County Economic Development Authority, the Mississippi Research Consortium, the North Mississippi Industrial Development Association, and Rankin First Economic Development Authority, and produced by MWB Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDCinfo.